from the last year, I mean, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about my staff that I never would have learned. So I'm happy for that, you know? It's allowed me to appreciate life a lot more. It's allowed me to appreciate myself. And it's really shown me who truly believes in what we do here at the restaurant. To finish the week on Dirty Linen, we are talking to Peter Gunn from Ides in Melbourne. And it feels right to be sticking in Melbourne because Melbourne's been through the ringer yet again, just emerging from lockdown number three. Restaurants can reopen, which is great, but times are not simple tough. There are no rivers of gold flowing down the streets. Uh, But I know that Pete has such an interesting perspective on the industry and uh, what he's doing in it. So welcome to the show, Pete. Great to have you on. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, yeah, honoured to be here to talk about this stuff. The honour is mine. Uh, Tell us how you're going. Uh, Today I'm actually going pretty good, like if I'm I'm honest. I've, uh, you know, it's it's been a busy morning. We've uh, we've had an event running in Fed Square, which is um, sort of we're prepping out of the kitchen here and then serving at the event. Um, the restaurant's been um, sort of pretty much fully booked when it's been open for the for the longest time now. And you know, just I guess when I'm here and it's always busy and humming and there's things to do, it's always just you know it'd be a fool to sort of look at it any other way but like positively um so i'm good i'm good that's great i I saw a really nice post from you on instagram during the week and you're painting the door of your restaurant there on smith street in collingwood um do you want to tell us about that oh painting the door yeah (laughs) i don't want to know the paint or the paintbrush but i just want to know the feelings that you're having at the time oh well it's it's um every sort of every every long weekend Every, you know, little break that we have, uh, I always sort of give the kitchen a fresh look of paint or touch up the areas of the, um, of the, of the dining room. We've got like white walls, which get nicked up and, and, and scuffed by the supplies and people leaning on things and so forth. So always always keeping the place um as fresh as it can be and at those times it's uh those 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 times when we're closed are the ideal you know times to do that but last night in particular oh well when i when i posted that i was painting the door with with a with a rust effect if if you will so i was actually actually like painting this liquid iron and then comes over at top with an acid but i was literally and i no word of a lie sitting there watching the paint dry um (laughs) so as i was sitting there watching the paint dry and it was you know about 10 o'clock at night and i was uh uh on my own in the restaurant i was you know just thinking how um how strange it's been and how how i wouldn't sort of change anything um and how tomorrow when i you know, when guests walk through this door, that's got this new effect, and it's and it looks great. Like what that what their feelings are going to be, and um, what my feelings will be towards those people, and what we're going to be cooking. And and I'm, I'm not much of a planner. I don't plan weeks ahead. I'm sort of like very in the moment, little bit by little bit. Like um, yesterday, 
there was no plan to paint this door the, the, with this <laughs> with this effect. It wasn't until like the day progressed and we had the paint and 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 then we just sort of collectively decided it'd be a good idea to do it. And if it doesn't work, we'll just paint it black. And that's part of our whole process here at Ides. Um, and the way that I approach most things anyway is we'll just give it a go. And if it works, great. If it's not, we'll just sort of uh, sit. Wow. It's so interesting to hear you say that you wouldn't change anything because I think a lot of people look back at the last year and think that there are definitely some things that they would want to change. Is that a sort of deliberate mindset of yours where you're always looking forward or is it that thing where you, where you try not to plan too much so you stay nimble? Like what's your mindset? Uh, from the last year, I mean, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about my staff that I never would have learned um, if the restaurant was in any other state but what it, what it was um, last year. So I'm happy for that, you know. Uh, it's, it's allowed me to appreciate life a lot more it's allowed me to appreciate um myself um a lot more and it's a and it's really shown me um who truly believes um in what we do here at the restaurant and in saying that there's also i saw greatness in others i saw my peers like push harder than they've ever pushed and and I've saw, I saw people's generosity, like yourself included, like all those gestures and things that yourself and Ben were doing were just amazing. And it's what I look to work towards in the future. And it's what I expect from leaders in the industry. And, and we just weren't let down in, in that regard. So being sort of uh, having everything that I've sort of worked towards you know, my entire career and that's, you know, close to 10, 12 years as a, as a chef and then on top of that 15 years as a owner-operator, having all of that being like basically taken away, you're sort of almost left like in a dark room in your undies, you know. <laughs> um, and then you sort of got to like understand, oh, which, which way do I go? which direction do I, do I step in? Um, and just being able to, to do that, um, without anybody holding my hand was really, was really, um, you know, eye opening and, and like I said, uh, a, a scenario that I wouldn't change for anything. So what, what are some of the things that you learned about yourself along this road, Pete? Uh, I, I just don't like working a fucking million hours anymore. I just like, I don't like um, missing out on everything um, because what I thought was um, the most important thing um, is not. You know, I just, there's days like today, like it's beautiful out there today and and I kind of want to be out in the sun but yet I'm in this, you know, tiny little dark box on Smith Street. Um <laughs> So we, we've been, like I was saying, like we've been really busy, very fortunate that, you know, people are coming out and, and really um, liking what we're, what we're cooking at the moment and how we're serving it and, and how the room's feeling. And this is all taking time to get to. 
and it's the ideal for some to get to a point where your restaurant's fully booked and you're open seven nights a week and you're making all this dough and then you can go on holidays and so forth and um, I just sort of don't think like that like now like end of the month I'm going from six days to five days like I'm pulling it back in a little bit just because I I don't want it to get out of my control and there was a there's a feeling of um just growing too fast so it's not for me it's not really about um not working hard it's just about not working every day um and just not working every sort of being attached to the place or being attached to my work every waking moment i should say i really want to um shorten my work week and focus more on the work that I'm doing on the days that I am working than um, sort of check out from days where the restaurant's in operation. Mm. Uh, it's, yeah, sorry. And is that because, I mean, you've got a young family. Is that the main motivation to um, keep that, uh, yeah, just like rein it in a bit? Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a young family and I also saw what people want you know what what my what my staff want what my staff need in order to um be happy in life you know and and part of that was to to be able to turn off when they're off um and just you know get some rest and lock in when they're here and i know that can happen with with larger teams but that's also not my agenda and it's also um something that doesn't fulfill me um is having these excess excessive amounts of people doing work for a cause that one that they don't believe in and they're just doing for a job um so i guess even with with the restaurant going down to five days they know that they're never going to have to work sort of a sunday night a monday or a tuesday and that in itself is a bit of a blessing to know that they're off they're they're always off those set days and then they're going to then have another day on top of that um which brings in a pretty um it's a subject that we spoke about um a couple of years ago which sort of um, fell by the wayside i think during um the covid and restaurants being closed but staff being overworked and underpaid and and all of that stuff and it's still very much front and center in my mind that the staff need to be working their 38 hours or getting as close to 40 and and almost no more as 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 possible um and I need to lead by example and do that myself because um, you can sort of an example being when I was a younger chef and if my chef was there early I would want to be there with him um, and so I would I would get there early and I would work that little bit more and then I would stay late and leave after him and 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 do all of those things that people just can't do now because it's frowned upon because it comes back to sort of um, affect owner operators like myself in the long run if something was to happen or, 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 or the staff was to get injured or hurt or, or, or you know f- fell out of interest w- with the with the business um, it's just it's almost like a, a safety net mm. um, per se it's really interesting Pete because I, yeah I remember having a chat to you about that and you know I mean the kinds of things that people talk about when they're when they're on this topic are well 
I wanted to be there doing those hours. I was so keen. I learned so much. I wanted to soak up everything that I could. And then, you know, I remember you saying that some of your young chefs, you almost had to, you know, push them out the door after their 38 <laughs> hours because they were so keen to keep doing stuff. And, you know, there was this grey area, like could they even take ingredients home to keep working on because then there was, you know, it was like were they still at work? I mean, mm. it's where do you see that? balance between the thirst to learn and and yeah having having a work-life balance i think it falls in line with my succinct operating hours and and that you know you're not going to learn any more by coming in any earlier um here you're going to learn everything that you need to learn over the course of time that you work here and it's an incentive you know that i want to put in place to to maintain the staff as well like what's the point in coming in and working your butter for a week and learning everything, but then being tired the next week and then quitting the week after because you can't do it anymore. And and it's all and it's all self-inflicted. Like um, one of the boys was in. Well, I think it was. Yeah, it was. Or two weeks ago, um, I give Hunter a shout out. Hi, Hunter, if he ever listens to this. But <laughs> like we, like I was talking about that event that we've got in um, in Fed Square and here and the restaurant being stacked. Like it was busy. Like prep everywhere um like prep to be done time times we needed to be in certain places i had probably a number of things on and was like hardly in the kitchen as well um and hunter was rostered on at three o'clock and he showed up at ten thirty. you know <laughs> and i was on the phone and he walked past he sort of sheepishly walked past me and then um henry and gary shout out to those boys too those the two sous chefs who do an amazing job like they sort of allowed him in and he starts prepping. And then it wasn't until I get off the phone. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here, mate? You know, he starts <laughs> with three. And, you know, he doesn't live locally. And I really did. Danny, I had to tell him to basically to get the fuck out and come back when his shift starts. Because, you know, at 10, starting at 10.30 when you're supposed to start at 3, it's not like start, starting half an hour earlier, which is, um, which is my leeway time. This, this, that's, when I let it, that's when I let it slide. If they're there half an hour before, they're so just not five hours, you know, they do that once, they think they can do that the next day and then all of a sudden, you know, with the rostering being as tight as it is and the staff, like the, the small team, like when they're already rostered as close to 40 hours as, as, as we can get them and then they come in in five hours on top of that, that's when it's it's just, I just see trouble. I just see trouble in that. I see trouble in that for for um, my responsibilities as a as a chef and as an owner, and I see troubles for them and their mental fatigue. Because I've, it's not like I'm going to go any easier on them during the service because they chose to show up five hours earlier. <laughs> like, sure, yeah. There's no, um, there's no, I don't know. There's, I just can't. Yeah. I just don't let that stuff fly. Um, and it, and it, and it is on us, and it is on people it is on leaders to lead their teams the right way even if we think you know we could get away with this and we can get away with that um that's all fine but look we've seen some of the best go down or, or some of the best cop cop this stuff and you know we're no we're no ex- um exception because we're we're not of the same caliber you know it's it's on us to 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 set the tone for these younger guys that will then set the tone for the guys that they then lead in their kitchens in years to come. It's it's so interesting, Pete, because, I mean, if you sort of pull back from that, you know, that detail of, you know, a person walks into a kitchen early, it, I feel like what you're talking about is just 
slowing down and taking time generally in life. And it makes me think of, you know, how people would do like a week-long stage somewhere and perhaps they'd be there like 80 hours and they would, as you say, like soak up every single detail that they could learn as much as they could and just really jam it in and then go to the next place. And it's that intense learning experience. But, of course, yeah, sure, it's risk of burnout. And then if you're saying like, come here, you're going to learn, you're not going to be able to learn it all in a week. And no. I guess that has the effect of have, someone has a bit more of a, a balanced life, but you also have, yeah, you also have staff with longevity in your business. So it works for you in a positive sense in that way as well. Yeah, and that's right. And that's what's, that's what's more important to me, um, just the longevity. Like, you know, seeing them develop um, slowly over time, is much more satisfying to me than them doing a good job once, um, you know, or twice, let's just say, in a, in a shorter time that they, they, they work here with me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I should say that I, I do really pride myself on being able to maintain staff and having staff around for a long time. Um, and, I was sort of want to give another shout out to one of my amazing staff, Louise, um, who's been working at the restaurant since the day it opened and with me during all the pop-ups and events and stuff before the restaurant opened um, and is finishing up on our fifth birthday next month after, you know, eight years. Um, oh, my goodness. And that's, that's pretty special for me um, and, I hope, and I know that she feels the same way and I know that, you know, she, she knows that she's going to be missed and... Um, she's had a, an amazing impact and you don't get that impact after eight months um, from, from staff. And I learned that pretty quickly with my time with Attica. You know, I, I worked at Attica for five years and that was a long, long um, learning situation for me. Like it was always, always changing, always moving, always happening sometimes fast, sometimes slow, but you needed to sort of be there consistently and constantly and with your, with your sort of head in the game all the time. Um, and once I, found, once I found my spot with Ben, um, after, you know, years of working at a place for 12 months, which for some reason gets told to young chefs is go here for 12 months and go there for 12 months. Um, once I found sort of the mentor and Ben that I was, you know, unknowingly always looking for, um, I did. I decided to sort of slow slow myself down and and um, just commit and just lock in and just learn and be ready to learn for a long, long period of time and not just, you know, in one week. Cause it's- I mean, do you think that if someone isn't – lucky enough to find an incredible mentor such as you had that you could still get value out of staying somewhere or do you think it really relies on being in a certain environment or with certain people? Uh, I think there's always something to learn wherever you end up and, uh, you know, staying staying long-term, I would never recommend anybody staying anywhere if they're unhappy, Uh, you know, which meaning... Maybe you don't find the ideal mentor in 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 the chef or in the restaurant owner, but you do find that within 
the staff, uh, the team, and it might not even be a mentor, just a, just a relationship or a bond um, mm. that, that can happen in 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 places. Uh, I know I've I've been in those scenarios uh, when I was younger, and it's also sometimes you don't know that it's a mentor that you need. Like we we as younger chefs and. Um, all we want to do is we want to learn how to cook and you can learn how to cook with, without a lot of um, skills in other areas, let's say. Like you can learn how to cook and enjoy cooking certain food without speaking to, to some people. Um, you don't know how to – you don't really necessarily know, need to know how to read or write or um, in your first sort of kitchen jobs, communication – um, is not of a of a priority if if you're just starting out, so people will take you in. Um, so I think yeah, there is always things to learn, um, and there's there is value in staying in places. But if you're unhappy, you've got to you've got to make the make the change. Mm. You said um, at the start of our conversation that you'd you'd really seen the people around you that were sort of on board with the project of of IDES. What do you think that project is how do you describe it or articulate it uh i describe it now as a modern australian fine dining restaurant we serve um a tasty menu uh multiple courses starts with smaller snacks then we've got four savouries one dessert our wines and spirits and beers are all australia first um and the room is luxurious and it's a bit of a diamond in the rough restaurant um, as it relates to its position here in Collingwood. Um, you know, this, this, this next part of the journey is really about refinement for me and it's really about simplifying the food and um, enhancing the service aspect of it and just making things more delicious and not being afraid to bring back some of the really successful dishes that we've served in the past. Um, the first five, you know, I'm just using these sort of block periods as the times that have gone by, was always about trying to find the direction that I wanted to go in. Um, it was always about trying to cook something new and trying to cook something different and trying not, not necessarily trying to be different, but just always trying to um, progress in a direction of, of my own. And I think I've sort of landed in this spot now that I'm confident with, that I'm comfortable with, and that I'm proud of. And the next step for me and what I is, is just to raise the level, just step it up even more and just really eliminate the fluff that I know that people don't want anymore. You know, diners evolve just like restaurants should to accommodate that. You know, we're not... Ides is not going to be, we're not going to serve um, steak and chips or fish and chips uh, because that's not what we do at Ides. But we, I love that food and I, and I appreciate that style of cooking just like the, the type of cooking that we cook. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's sort of how I explain it when I get a bit on when I get on a bit of a rant, I suppose. <laughs> so this morning I listened to Deep in the Weeds two hundredth episode, um, my my brother podcast um, that Anthony Huckstep does, and he chatted to Mark Best, and so Mark Best, you know, uh, famously ran Mark Restaurant, you know. Uh, endlessly awarded three hats in Sydney um, and closed it some years ago. But he was talking about, you know, the idea of the tasting menu and saying, you know, if someone tried to sit him down for a tasting menu today, he'd, you know, he'd rather gnaw off his own leg or some some such colourful language as, <laughs> as Mark is prone to use. Now, I really would love to have a fight with Mark about this, but I just wonder, you know, how you would respond to him. Uh, I would, first of all, I think that's disappointing to hear from someone who you know, made his name by doing that very thing and created a generation of chefs that look up to him who have followed in those footsteps. I think it's pretty poor form. Uh, There is a market for fine dining. There is a market for tasting menus, and I can testify to that. You know, we're still here serving a tasting menu to 40 guests a night. People come because they want to be here. We don't force anybody to come here ever, never have, never will. Um, there are chefs that want to cook in the manner of a tasting menu. They want to compose smaller dishes. There is front of house service professionals that want to serve food in a tasting menu format and provide wines in a series of um, courses. You know, it's, it's there. It's not going anywhere. The multi-course dining uh, part of the industry is very much here to stay and I don't really know you know if it's just fatigue uh from someone like someone like Mark and his stature and he's seen a lot and he's been everywhere and he's tasted this and he's sat in the world's best restaurants because it's pretty hard to sort of uh compare you know like when when you're treated as royalty somewhere for so long and you get everything sort of taken care of for so long, it's pretty hard to sort of um, go into a place where, you know, let's just be real, sometimes the staff don't, wouldn't pick him, you know, wouldn't know who it is. So he just gets the, the, the basic service. And sometimes that throws the spanner in the works for somebody, you know, with, with views like that, someone so opinionated um, mm. Well, I know you say that people aren't forced to go to Ides, but I'm going to force Mark to come to Ides with me and we're going to just <laughs> see what he reckons. <laughs> I would love to cook for him and I have an immense amount of respect for Mark. And when he, um, I don't know if, if he would probably remember, but he did respond. When he closed the restaurant, uh, when he closed Mark, I took a proper stab in the dark at his email address and just sort of guessed like, mark at markrestaurant.com.au and sort of and sent an email uh basically stating how much i did respect him and and wishing him well um and that i was about to go down this path of opening my own restaurant and i very much um respected his basically his fuck you attitude um (laughs) and he, he he uh yeah he responded back saying thank you very much and uh great well I reckon he's going to love it, actually. Um, Pete, let's finish by chatting about what you're doing at Federation Square. It's um, it's called Six with a double S and a double X, and it's a restaurant experience um, and it's an immersive experience, I think they're billing it as. Can you tell us a little bit about it and tell us whether you think this is the future or part of the future for restaurants? Well, Six is a... Uh... 
it's essentially a cube with projections on the wall with one large dining table. Um, the projections that are shown uh, are themed, which has sort of rolled out into the drinks and the food pairing that's that's provided um, to sort of match the projections. So each course, like for us, we're only responsible for the food in in the environment, and it's it's groups coming together to create this. The first sort of theme is ice. So we're we're talking about like food being served on ice, ice projections and and sound being um, pumped into the room, and then you know some nice icy cold uh, frosted glasses and so forth being served. And then it goes into wood where the projections change into like a forest and beautiful serene sounds and then some smoky aspect that we, we then play off and serve um, some food out of, a, out of a smoking box. And you can see where that sort of goes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's special. It's a one-off uh, sort of event. Um, I don't believe it is the future of dining, but I always think that there's a place for all types of dining. Um, everybody sort of wants to get out and experience something new. And to some it is new and to some it's not. Uh, like there's an amazing restaurant who has, that has that concept down to an art in uh, Ultraviolet in, in, in Shanghai, you know, and, and that's amazing. Is it something that I want to continue to do it's not um this will probably be you know i think use the word immersive or like i don't want to throw out the words sensory um those kind of things for me they're in the previous five years (laughs) this is the last uh sensory or quite out there experience that i am going to sort of put my name and the restaurant to i think it's my, my focus is uh are different now and I sort of built the brand off the back of events and stuff like that and now as we sort of enter this next phase where I want you know to be looked at seriously and taken seriously and um, I want to remove some of that weird shit that people maybe think is still associated to the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I went to the event and my main question was why? Mm, why? That's why, right. Like, like, sure, ice and wood and you can relate food to it, but why? I just, I, I, I don't know, like, do you, do you need stuff around dining or is it enough just to sit around a table and eat really nice food and drink really nice drinks with other people or by yourself with a book, whatever. I just didn't really get it. And perhaps it wasn't pitched at me, but I just felt like I didn't need to eat your food in a setting like that. Yeah. Thanks. And and I understand. And, and it, it is really where we've seen the success in an environment like that is when all 14 people that sit at this communica- communal table, they all know one another and they have relationships and the the conversations start from one end of the table to the other and they're there for for uh, for a bit of a blowout, you know, for an exciting time. When, when we've seen um, like seven groups of two come and join, we kind of, I guess, I, I feel like we all kind of know what that's like. Everybody's sort of like 
stays pretty self-contained. You might speak to the next, the person next to you, but nobody really takes sort of charge. And, um, you know, in an, in an environment like that, in situations like that, that's when real life people and waiters and, and service can really get things moving in the right direction. Right. Um, Mm. being sort of prompted by, by, um, screens and, and, um, bell chimes and so forth is, is kind of one-off, I think. Yeah. It's definitely a one-off for me, but anyway, I mean, you got to try stuff. So I guess like good luck to anyone trying something new, but I'd say as much as you could say, there are things about the restaurant model that are broken. The idea of sitting around a table with people to eat and drink is definitely not broken. It is still very much central to the good life. And uh, yeah, I think you're doing, you can just, I'll just come to your restaurant for that. Yeah, <laughs> um, please do, please do. It's been, um, you know, I, I, I think that every time I see you, I remember when, when uh, you and Rosalind came to one of the pop-ups that we had at Persiard and uh, it was like we were, because we used to make everything and, and, and we were making this ice cream that was had, I think, rum in it and it wasn't set. It was kind of like, it wasn't frozen, sorry. And I've, I kind of served you this like, half kind of slushy milkshakey thing you know, like, ah. <laughs> it was the worst and I, I always think about that and, and and this is this is just sort of how I work like I know when stuff is being shit and I know when stuff is great and I know the people that I've served it to like I know when people have been to my restaurant like um people that that I need to know uh, have been or are coming and uh, you know I make an effort with all the all the guests that are coming through so I'm I'm very aware of of what works and what doesn't and, and what I've done in the past that's been sort of um, a poor showing of, of who I am and what I can do. Um, and so it's all of those little things that drive me to do, to do better. Um, and then taking into account having to sort of use a part of my brain in a direction like um, the six event, it really does take away from the stuff that I'm truly trying to focus on. So yeah. again, tying back into minimizing my 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 working hours and my workload and just really focusing on the work that I do. Well, I have to say, Pete, when I came to your pop-up, I didn't I don't remember the sloppy ice cream. I just remember thinking that I was witnessing a really exciting journey. And um yeah, I look forward to continuing to do that and seeing how IDS develops and yeah, watching your career and the way, uh, yeah, it's really, uh, we'll keep checking in because I love the way you think about food and about the industry. Thank you so much for being part of Dirty Linen. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. No, thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. You know, I appreciate being on here and really love what you do. Like, it's, it's, yeah, I think, you know, whether you know it or not, you really have become the, the most relevant voice in the, in the industry at in the moment. And um, it's nice to, nice to know you and nice to, you know, share moments with you over both you know food and conversation so thank you wow thank you for saying that that i don't even know how to think or respond but i appreciate it i'll see you for some sloppy ice cream one day soon (laughs) (laughs) yeah no you won't no you won't that that doesn't happen anymore that doesn't happen anymore okay thanks bye yeah this is dirty linen and i'm danny valent We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. 
we spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production. Just keep going because it's just, yeah, keep going. And we're working with uh, uh, a crew that has created a, a crew. <laughs>